Everybody out there in the interwebs land, my name is Matty Marshall. Welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. And we're going to be talking to Robbie Goldsmith from Chattanooga CEP today. And, you know, uh, love talking to Robbie. Really, really bright, sharp guy. Been in the game for a long time and leading the charge for, you know, I, I think a team that, that everyone should be rooting for because they are that every man paintball team. You know, they're out of the Midwest. They are, they don't have, uh, you know, a big daddy Warbucks helping them fund their paintball dream. And, uh, you know, they've had to do pretty much everything possible in order to, you know, to continue down that road to, uh, to try to, you know, move up the ranks in, in the professional paintball world. So, yeah, a big fan, Robbie, of what you guys are doing. And uh, you guys have fought long and hard to even to just get where you are. So uh, how are you doing today, bro? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here and take a break for the, from the rear world for a couple of minutes and uh, talk to you, man. It's good, it's good stuff. So tell me about the real world a little bit. I, you know, you live in Nashville and, you know, I met you as like kind of this, uh, you know, sharp witted, uh, funny, but kind of punk college kid who was, you know, <laughs> quite full of himself, but rightfully so. We, we all loved you. You know, you'd always have like some little funny thing to say and, uh, and your team did really well. You played for Tennessee. Um, you know, so, uh, always kind of liked you from the start. Um, but, but now you've kind of moved up in the world. You're, you know, kind of moving and shaking in the business world of Nashville. So kind of just enlighten all of us as to what your day to day is these days. Yeah, man. is uh, it's funny to think how, how much I thought I knew back then, uh, being a NCPA all-star or whatnot. Um, yeah, so I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I live right downtown, right around all the country music honky tonks and whatnot. And, uh, it's a fun little town to live in, and you know it's one of the fastest growing cities in America right now. It's considered its city by the New York Times, and uh, I'm in a pretty pretty good place. You know, I uh, I used to work for Corporate America Enterprise Rent a Car when I was just out of college, getting that first time job like anyone else, and it pretty much wasn't for me. And I left and found a cool place here. I work at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. What we are is a nonprofit business accelerator for high growth companies. So what we do is we help teach companies such as the next Facebook or Twitter or whatnot how to, you know, create a sustainable business model, find investors and go out in the world and and kind of break stuff. You know, that's what we like to do. We like to make sure people are disrupting industries and and breaking stuff up. So I've been doing this now for about a year and you know, I work for one of the most powerful dudes in Nashville, and he's Nashvillian of the year in 2013, and you know, potential political future here on the on the you know the mayoral side. So um, it's a pretty cool life, and it's completely different than paintball. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty interesting that the the respect levels that come from you know people that have made their millions and billions for that matter, and then go out to paintball field and kind of get an adverse reaction due to what you know what we do in Chattanooga CEP. But uh, yeah, life outside of paintball couldn't be better, to be honest. I have uh, one company that's in the growth stage that I own, which is a tourism company that we're about to take national. I have another technology company with a co-founder who is another member of CEP, Bo Shaw, that is, uh, you know, we're about at that level where we're getting ready to launch and get on our search for investment. And then uh, I advise a couple other companies that I have small interests in. So, you know, for being 26, I feel like I'm doing all right. And, uh, I'm excited to to keep going in 2014 in business and especially, you know, in paintball too because that's paintball is now my vacation from the real world which is a really cool vacation to have. Yeah, and and kind of, 
you know, I think a lot of people could relate to that because for the majority of uh, people listening to this and for the majority of the people playing the game, that is, that's how it works. You know, paintball is a mental vacation for them. And do you feel, do you find some solace in, in, in kind of being able to throw the shackles of the suit off and get out there, get physical, shoot some people, you know, get your, uh, you know, get your paintball vibe on? I mean, how is that these days as opposed to say, you know, back in the day when you're kind of, you know, a little bit more integrated into, you know, thinking a lot more about paintball kind of on, you know, a little bit more of a regular thing when you're a student and, you know, before you kind of get going in the business world. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely sheds a different light on the game. You know, when I was growing up and in college and on that paintball grind coming up through the divisional ranks, like that was the goal, right? That was all you envisioned was playing professional and, and that being your life. Well, life for me didn't turn out that way. And now I have a complete different vision where, you know, I still love it. And I'm the most competitive dude in the world. You obviously probably have seen me talking trash to everyone out there but at the same time it's still not it's not my make or break it's more of a hey let's travel with my best friends who have been playing pro with now for years to a tournament and if we win yeah I'm gonna be stoked but if we lose I still wasn't on the daily grind and uh you know it's it's kind of like being out on that oasis and it's I was a couple days away and you get to shoot the crap out of people well I think that that too is kind of the magic in it, to be honest, because for so many, I mean, yeah, we, you know, we interview a lot of professional paintball players on here whose lives are completely, you know, not only financially, but also time-wise revolving around nothing but paintball all the time. And they may, I mean, they may have some sort of other business interests that they're working on and other stuff that they do, but, you know, for 99% of the population that, that plays tournament paintball, you know, this is, is, just, a, is a re, just one of those really cool journeys that they get to go on with some really good friends and, and a j- big giant test. That, that's one of the recurring themes that constantly comes up is that it's this, you know, really addictive quest, this test that you voluntarily partake in in order to measure yourself. And, uh, and obviously it's incredibly fun, uh, to go on these adventures, but, you know, so now that you are, you know, in, in that state, I mean, do you feel that you, when you, when you do get to go and play that you are just, you know, that demon needs to get vented. You got to go out there and shoot somebody. You need to, you know, get that release and that you're, you know, super focused on, on that practice or that tournament and kind of enjoy being in that moment. Oh, absolutely love it. I love being in situations where I'm under pressure. I love being in situations in business where I have to make the key decisions for the success of a company or a project. And the same thing in paintball. I love being in a situation where it relies on me. So it's more of an internal test is like, can I get this done, right? I lost our match against Top Gun at World Cup because I didn't make the right move to push the one side of the field. I let too much time run off the clock. We ended up losing the match time expired by the time we could actually get anything done and that to me was a mental failure and you know I look at it as hey how can this make me stronger and how can I come back next year and not make that same mistake and win that match and move on to Sunday because if we would have won that match we would have moved on to Sunday at World Cup and Challengers and it was one point difference that we lost to Top Gun and I was in on that point so I can't blame it anyone but myself but I'm I love that feeling. I love the feeling that I was responsible for the fail. I don't want anyone else on the team to be responsible for that. I'd rather take that. And how do you deal with those sort of mental setbacks or hurdles? I mean, whatever you want to kind of term it, because God, you know, the paintball life and, and, and being involved in those trials is just littered with those, you know, even at the top, top of the top level. I mean, 
you know, it, it's one of those things where even if you win, you don't win a lot. And, you know, even a team like, say, Houston Heat, who has the best record over the past two years, uh, winning four of 10 tournaments, still were, they were only batting 400. So six out of those 10 tournaments, they left losers and had to deal with, the, you know, the, the, the mistakes that they had made. So as somebody that, you know, is leading a team that, that hasn't found the success that, that, you know, not even close to the success that Houston Heat has had, you know, I mean, kind of what, let's just get started on, on the first thing. Cause I definitely <laughs> want to, I do want to talk about, you know, the whole struggle. And you know, I think, cause so many people can relate to that. You know, every single guy out there that's played tournament paintball for any sort of time at all has probably been through a couple teams or is, you know, getting approached by other teams or thinking about going to another team or has to deal with these sorts of issues all the time. So how do you deal with those mental setbacks? You know, there's, you have to just have a positive outlook on everything. I mean, there, life is a succession of making left or right turns. If you continue to make the right decisions and continue to turn right, your life will guide yourself that way and you'll end up being successful. That's just how it goes. You know, and if you don't make excuses, if the only person you can look at after each point, each tournament, each match, whatever, is yourself and say, what did I do that messed it up? Those are the types of people that, you know, have the attrition to succeed in paintball, business, whatever. You know, I try to sh tell my guys and we try to iterate that that's what it is. You know, we only have ourselves to blame. And I think that's a testament to why we've been around for so long, winning four matches in the champions division ever. Like, you know, that's, you know, that's nothing that I'm proud of. But it, at the same time, it's I'm something I'm very proud of because I've been there since the beginning. I'm the only CEP member left from the original squad in D3 back in 2006. So, you know, that's something that I'm proud of because it's, I have the outlook on that. I have the outlook in business the same way that, you know, if you just continue to pick yourself up and get back and figure out how can you get better, you know, I'm infinitely better paintball player than I was in 2011 when we entered the pro league. And our, you know, our, what we've done isn't that much better, but myself as a player and mentally and everything I'm so much better and I'm okay with that you know it's kind of funny when you say that I think that's that's an awesome way to look at it because that's the only way you really can truly look at it because for one you will burn yourself out so fast if you take everything super personally any mistake that you make if you you know make that just so hyper present for you know in your mind uh you're, you're going to struggle because you're going to start you know getting those you're going to get bunched up in your head you're going to get that, that mental constipation that's going to keep you from achieving your goals because you're going to be worried too much about the past and plagued by it so much I mean so many people lived live in a, live in, live their lives plagued by the past or worried about the future and yes of course every human being that's alive on planet earth has certain you know is pondering things that they have done in the past and is contemplating what's going to happen in the future but you know a lot of people really really spend way too much time thinking about those things and miss living in the present and doing the things you know that they need to do in the present in order to assure that they are going to have a productive future um, and that t totally applies to paintball as well and it also kind of you know it's it's one of those things that uh, I, th I think that's a good way. Have you ever read, you know, there's a, a website called Cracked and they I mean, they have, they're, they're that website that just has tons of lists, you know, like 10 top movie villains or 10 this or eight that and five of this or, and, the, and it's, uh, basically it's, it's kind of like a kind of centered around comedy mostly because a lot of the stuff's funny. Um, but one of the best articles I've ever read, um, that I wish I'd read when I was 15 years old, uh, was, and it's the number one cracked article of all time. And, uh, and it was, and what made me think of it is that you said, you know, you're a vastly better 
better paintball player now than you were in 2006 or 2007. And, uh, and this article is called uh, Six Harsh Truths That Will Make You a Better Person. It is so, so good. And this guy just breaks things down about how, you know, people just spend way too much time just not getting better at things, worrying way too much about things. And it's, and it's just, you know, and then the guy even talks about, you know, he's like, yeah, you know what, you may be terrible at whatever it is you want to be great at, but Hey, I was a terrible writer when I, when I was born, <laughs> you know, like, and, and when, as I kind of worked forward, I was, you know, and then when I started writing, I was completely horrible, but then I kept at it and kept at it. And then 10 years later, all of a sudden, you know, I can write some sentences and it's the same exact thing with paintball. So kind of when you're taking that to CEP heading into this year, heading into 2014, you know, where do you kind of see the team right now? Man, mentally, we're in such a good place as a team. Like, I'll tell you what, it was 2011 was our first year, and we came in, and we came in fairly well. We came in one, you know, we, we brought Edmonton to a one-point game, our first pro match ever, and we beat Vicious at Chicago. Um, and then we just started getting beat down. And then through 2012, we were just getting beat down. And then I think it was going into going, in the, like, going into the end of 2012, everyone was just like, down you know it was just crazy and you know we we're just beat down and we've been we've been losing for two and a half years or whatnot and you know the success was were few and far between and now we're just in a place where everyone gets along so well and i think you know the the image is there and we don't have the money obviously but everyone's just in a good place you know you'll see us on facebook or social media doing our hashtag cep strong because no matter what anyone says or what anyone does around us or whatever the financial situation is the, the nine of us, 10 of us have our backs. We have each other's backs and we don't really care um, as long as we're there with each other and, you know, we're just, we're going to fight through it. It's, you know, we're still CEP strong after four years of minimal success. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. You know, it's really kind of tough to have to bear that burden. And uh, I mean, obviously, you know, yes, it's fun to play pro paintball, but as everyone knows, I just, I think it's admirable because, yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of trying to play above your level, you know, it's like, hey, always be playing like in order to get better. I mean, yeah, it's fun to go smash on some walk ons. That's great and everything. It's good for your ego. But at the same time, that's not going to make you a better player. In fact, it's probably going to make you a worse player. And so the fact that you guys have and another thing I think I don't think a lot of people understand because you guys have been pro for a while now is that, uh, you know, you guys had quite the decorated divisional uh, jaunt through the ranks. You know, you guys smashed people in the divisional ranks or you never would have went pro in the first place. Um, and you were there for, for that, right? Yeah, I was, I've been there the, the entire time, man. When I met the CEP guys, which was originally cross-eyed paintball, they were playing D5 under a, a team called Archangels out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we literally started in D3. I couldn't even play with them because I was too high ranked because I used to grow up in Chicago playing with like the Voltage guys and whatnot. Um and literally coach these dudes up. So we went, I have a, I have a medal from every single division, but pro, I mean, it's not that, you know, it's not that we just bought our way in we've won everywhere. And I think that's a testament to people just don't realize how tough the pro division is. I mean, it's, it is brutal. Well, and talk to me about that then a little bit. Let's talk about how brutal it is up there. 
um, because you, know, you see these these kind of legendary divisional teams like Upton, like Vicious, like CEP that, you know, in their day just murdered everybody out there in the divisional ranks to, you know, to basically earn the right to at least. And when you say earn the right, I mean, yeah, you know, if you put a superstar team and get a bunch of guys and you pay the pro entry fee and, you know, then, yeah, you can play pro um, or at least you can come into the challengers division if there's a spot and then try to earn your way into the champs division because that's straight purely merit based in the in the champions division um but you know you guys didn't do that it's a homegrown franchise and uh and all of those those teams the vicious is the 187s the cep's they're all homegrown franchises and i'm you know knowing how hard it is to do that and knowing how hard it is to to play at that level i mean what is it like having to to, to go to battle with these teams yeah it's just uh it's kind of that sense where you you are the underdog but we know it so you go into each match and like, hey, the, the worst thing that could happen out of the outcome of this match is we have the same reputation we did going in. The best thing that could happen is, you know, for instance, last year in Dallas when we beat X Factor. No one thought X Factor after that match was a worse team than us, but we had that satisfaction that, hey, we were firing all cylinders, we were, we were shooting better, and we won. So you go into those matches saying, you know, we can do this. You come out the same place you went in, or a winner. So, you know, it's that feeling of being an underdog and you either triumph or you don't. You know, so I have the most respect out there for Vicious and, and Upton. We're good friends with all those dudes. And even in general in the pro circuit, you really don't see pros hating on other pros because that's the only group in paintball that knows what it's like. You know, Mouse and Marcel, all these dudes are my friends. They don't hate. They understand that this is a grind that people don't get. The only people that don't really get it are some of the younger players. And I, and I hope they all get the chance to experience it because it is awesome. It's amazing to say that you played pro. But, you know, there's that select group of people that have been there and understand it. And those are the guys that really understand, you know, what's going on and how hard it is because it's, it's really tough. Yeah. Well, and then also before we kind of further expound on how, you know, the pro paintball scene is looking right now, let's talk about the divisional uh, fight that you guys came through because, you know, the divisional ranks, it's really hard. I mean, okay, yeah, there's, you know, 10 teams in the Champs League, 10 teams in the, in the, in the Challengers division. Uh, but then at the same time, in order to win, you know, a, a Division II tournament, it, you're going against a lot more than 10 teams. So you, you, it's a very difficult fight. Uh, in order to become divisional legends, you know, which makes the 187, the Vicious, the CEP stories even that much more potent, in my opinion. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what all those divisional guys are facing currently, you know. So these teams like VCK and, you know, Devastation that have done well in the divisional ranks, or, you know, other ones out there, Revo, um, those teams that have done well out there, that is an incredibly hard fight in order to, you know, get to be a divisional, you know, champion. And uh, what was successful for CEP? I mean, obviously, you know, you guys had a, you know, must have had a, a higher than average level of talent. Um, but I'm sure that there's more than that. But what, if, if you can kind of recollect back to those days, you know, what was that like kind of fighting through divisional ranks? Yeah, man, those days were fun. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was good stuff. And it was just, we had a good combination of, of coaches. Um, we had Adam Smith and Kevin Fillers from Naughty Dogs coaching us weekend you know every weekend through the d2 and d1 ranks and those dudes helped tremendously i mean they were amazing and you know kevin's back in 2014 to coach us we'll talk about that later um we had that experience that could tell us what to do and, and show us the plays and then you know there's an old saying in business that says you know um hire slow fire fast you got to do the same thing in paintball man you got to make people earn their stripes and if they're not getting the job done you got to cut them loose because if you're there to win 
the only thing that can stop you is you know either lack of talent or lack of whatever skill in you know execution on the field. So you got to make sure you do the steps it takes to do that. And we were lucky in a place where we had the talent, we had the coaching, and we had what it took. And you know, a couple of those matches back in the day against old school teams like Raiden, and um, you know, there was a couple of teams, East Coast Killers, and what like that. That you know, those were good teams, and we just executed a little bit better and won the tournaments. And that's same margin you see in pro today. What was the you know, obviously, I'm sure you guys had a chip on your shoulder that you wanted to be pros one day. Um, but how did you fulfill that dream? Was it just a steady march up and then getting more sponsors and then finally feeling like that the franchise was ready to make the jump? I mean, what was the eventual catalyst to, to catapult you into to play pro? No, man, it was, uh, I wish it was like that. I wish it was a slow and steady rise, but it was uh, a bunch of hills and valleys and peaks. And we never had a we never had a real sponsor until we turned pro and Die picked us up. Die was our first ever real sponsor. You know, when we were winning in D1, we were wearing whatever pants we could find, whatever guns we could get off PB Nation, and, and some throw together jerseys that Steve Nicola bought for us. Um, you know, so it's, it was never that. It was more, we're going to have the will to win, and we're going to do whatever it takes to win. And when we win, pro is just a great reward. You know, it wasn't so much, hey, we're going to be pro. It's, hey, we're going to go out this tournament and win and go home the best team in our division. And that just happened for three years straight. And we got to, you know, have the reward of turning professional. And then when you turned pro, uh, was there kind of a, I mean, was there a reality check time period? I mean, did you come in thinking like, yeah, we're going to bang with these guys and, you know, we're going to quickly earn our stripes. I mean, were you kind of more realistic about it or was there a reality check time? We didn't know what to expect, to be honest to you. We were like, we didn't know what to, what to expect. We went into Galveston and our first match ever was against Impact. And we're like, okay, you know, I think all of us on the box were probably a little, a little, a little lightheaded, a little shaky need and, you know, we came out and played him to a four-three match and barely lost. And we're like, okay, cool. Like we can hang, right? Like this is this is this is not what everyone talked about. And then I think the next two matches we came out and got smashed by Ironman and Dynasty, like seven zero seven zero. And we're like, oh my gosh. I think to this day we've never scored more than a point on Dynasty. Um, and it was just like, okay, rude awakening. You know, and ever since then, that's kind of when the uphill climb started. In like, you know, you were you're running up a hill of mud, and it's just. You're trying to stay up there and figure out what you can hang on to the whole way up. You know, if I was living in the Midwest right now and I wanted to kind of cut my teeth in pro paintball, I would be begging for a spot on your team because, you know, regardless of what I eventually wanted as the trajectory of my paintball career, you know, there's not, I just, I'm a big fan of like home because, you know, when I grew up, man, I just wanted to play for the Ironman because they were the best in our area of the world and I was from California and it was you know, that was kind of the way I looked at things and, uh, and, and kind of stayed true to that pretty much my entire career. Um, and so, you know, I mean, do you have talent from the Midwest kind of hitting you guys up or, I mean, how, how is that developing? How is Midwest paintball right now? Cause Texas paintball is looking badass, And, uh, and there's some bright shining lights on the East coast as well too, with, you know, DC's dev and, you know, Upton 187 and, uh, and then, you know, shock is going through a little bit of a, a revival right now. Um, and, uh, and they're going to be profiled on the new ETV, the roster, uh, season three coming up. Um, so, I mean, how's it looking in your area of the world? Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting better. You know, we consider ourselves lower Midwest, upper Southeast of the United States. And, you know, 
couple of years ago, Steve Nicole and I started a league, which is minor league paintball, and tried to really create that farm system and that you know that culture down here. And the league's doing really well. Um, you know, we got rid of it last year and passed it off, and it's under new management now. But they they had their best event ever as far as teams this year. You know, we have a great D three team that just won their first event this year, and they're going to come into Dallas. I'm you know I think they're going to be one of the favorites in D three. You know, so it's really been a struggle because where we're at, there's never been. The, there's never been that hotbed of paintball. We've never had, you know, we can go eight hours east and you can get to the gridlock camp in trauma where they used to be, or you can go 14 hours south and get to, uh, you know, damage, or you can go nine hours north and get to Chicago. So we're literally in this, you know, this little island of what everyone thinks is Tennessee rednecks, um, which I'm not denying. And, uh, <laughs> And it's just, you know, we are kind of there and we're willing, I'm willing to give anyone a shot that will commit to, you know, to the CEP lifestyle. And like LJ Woodley used to do it for a little bit. He played for us and he'd drive down from Chicago. And, you know, we have players still to this day that drive six, seven hours each way just because they're committed enough to do it. And on top of that, we ask them to pay for their paintball, which, you know, so hats off to those dudes. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, you know, we're trying to revive it. There's not much above the D2 level, um, but, uh, you know, it works. And then on, on kind of on that level, and, I, and I, this is something I really want to push home for everybody, is, is that you guys are having a, uh, a, a crowdsourcing Indiegogo campaign for this year. And, uh, and I'm appealing to everyone to really support you guys on this because, you know, I just I'm a fan of what you guys are trying to do. It's important for, you know, every, every single place in the world. Uh, and, you know, I mean, even, you know, whether it be England or Germany or wherever it may be, you have this kind of like tip of the uh, tip of the pyramid um, that's kind of carrying the flag for that area of the world. And, uh, and then not only that, but it's, again, you know, I look at, I'm, I always want you guys to succeed because I, you know, I'm a big fan of underdogs. I'm a big fan of like that homegrown mentality. And, and as fascinating as the stories are for, for Houston Heat or, you know, Damage or Impact and, and these superstar teams that like can have the, you know, ability to import uh, players and, and, uh, and have ridiculous practices and, and really kind of, you know, throw a lot of resources towards trying to incubate their program. You guys don't have that luxury. You don't have a sugar daddy. You don't have, you know, a rich owner that's willing to pump a, bump a, pump a bunch of money into the team. So you guys have to fund this through, you know, throwing tournaments and teaching clinics and which are all things that you guys do. Um, so tell me a little bit about this Indiegogo campaign that you guys are doing. Yeah, so the Indigo is cool. You know, at the beginning of the season, uh, our team owner, Steve Nicola, who me and him kind of split the duties of the team, retired. He's got three beautiful young daughters that are amazing. Uh, you know, they're like five, seven, and four or something, and he needs to spend time with them, so that's cool. So I kind of sat back and said, man, how can we figure out how to keep the dream alive, which is kind of the slogan of our campaign. And you know, we're not going to have a Daddy Warbucks come in and give us all this money. Uh, so we kind of had to get creative and, you know, creativity is one way to kind of innovate and we're the first professional paintball team to ever do a crowdfunding campaign it's on indiegogo it's titled keeping the dream alive for chattanooga cep and uh we're trying to raise sixteen thousand seven hundred fifty bucks so we can cover our entry fees to this year and give myself a year of a runway to create a sustainable plan for cep because i have no intention of quitting paintball no intention of quitting cep uh you know like anything good in life, it just takes a little bit of time. And I didn't have enough time in between the two seasons when Steve said he was done to create that plan. Yeah. And, and again, you know, Hey, everyone go to Indiegogo and, uh, keeping dream alive. And, you know, and there's definitely, you know, I, I checked it out. You guys have different, uh, 
scales, obviously, you know, like this is the way Kickstarter and Indiegogo work and all these different, you know, crowdfunding uh, sites is that, uh, you know, there's different levels. So, you know, you don't have to give a ton of money if you don't have a ton of money. But I, I just, you know, I think that it, it, what you guys are doing is admirable. It's very difficult with the resources that you have to even exist on the level that you guys have had so far. And I want to see, you know, based on what you guys have done in the past couple of seasons to build the team up, what you could potentially accomplish this year. And, you know, it, it would really help you guys. If everyone out there in internet land uh, can, you know, donate a little couple bucks to CEP, you know, it's a, it's a worthy cause. And, and uh, you know, they get to see you guys throughout the year and, and see what you guys can do with this. Yeah, you know, and the, the big thing is we're trying to push is that we're not asking for handouts. You know, we're not asking for straight handouts. We're giving back perks. You know, for 20 bucks, we're going to send you a Chattanooga CEP t-shirt. You know, that's what it's going to cost no matter what kind of t-shirt you buy. It's just helping our team. You know, we go long sleeves, dye ultralight jerseys, and then, you know, the higher stuff, personal pro coaching and team pro coaching. So we're, we're not going to say, hey, just give us money. We're going to say, hey, help us help you. You know, we're trying to give back too, but at the same time, you know, it's all, you know, together, everyone achieves more, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also it's a good opportunity for anyone within driving distance of you guys that has a, you know, D3, D4, any divisional level team, D1 even, uh, to, to get some, you know, get, get some opinions of guys that have actually been grinding in the pro leagues uh, for, you know, a couple years now. So I think that that's, and that's the only, honestly, that's the only way to get better, man. And that, and that goes across the globe. I don't care where you are, if you're listening to this, there's tons of guys and pros that are teaching clinics out there. And they're, you know, you have to, if you really are serious about getting better, um, you, you got to kind of look at it and say, you know, okay, well, what am I actually doing? What knowledge am I acquiring? You know, what sort of physical skills am I cultivating to actually try to progress my skills at this game? And, uh, and, and it is fundamentally important to, to, you know, you can expedite that process. You know, you can gain those skills through lots of trial and error over many years, or you can speed that process up by getting that information from one of a number of pros all across the globe that are doing these, you know, giving these clinics. And uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's one of the fastest ways to, to be able to improve because you can take the knowledge that you learn in a clinic. I used to tell us all the time when we were teaching clinics is, uh, hey, you know, you guys are going to learn a lot of concepts and drills and, and ways of thinking about this game. And uh, gunfight logic, I used to call it, is uh, in, in order. And then you can learn, you take these principles and then bring them back to your team. So you send one or two players to a clinic, that guy's going to, those guys are going to come back with a lot of information for your team and ways to get better. Situational drills you can run, uh, you know, different types of strategies, different types of field walking, um, you know, uh, just really get into the game and try to figure out how you can improve. Yeah, you, you got to invest in yourself out there. You know, it's kind of interesting. I just want to pick your brain a little bit about this. Having been in the in this, you know, working for these awesome genius business guys and really successful guys that have really structured a lot of businesses well, and I'm assuming you're quite the sponge. You've always been that way. Or do you see any parallels to you know having to work with people within the uh, the, the paintball team context and get guys to tournaments and all the logistics and you know trying to accomplish goals? I mean, are there any direct parallels to kind of what you're seeing in the business world? Yeah, man. I mean, if you look at it's it's pretty crazy to think about, to be honest. Because if you take a step back and look at the pro teams and what all these teams are doing, and the and the and the systems and the you know the organizations that people set up. If you guys look like look at Bart from Edmonton, look at Sarge from Heat. I mean, these dudes are killing it in real life, and it just so happens to be they're doing the same in paintball. But people can say that they're just pumping money into teams, and they might be. That's fine. But they're also creating a a team atmosphere 
atmosphere and an organization that is structurally sound from the bottom up that makes them successful. I mean, it's no coincidence that these dudes are doing great outside of paintball. You know, it's more props. I mean, look at CJ from Damage. The dude is murdering it in real life, and it just so happens Damage is doing the same thing. Well, that's that's not a coincidence. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. I was actually going to bring CJ up, but I mean, when you look at those guys, you look at CJ from Damage, Bart from Impact, and then Randy from Houston Heat. I mean, those guys run very successful businesses, and they when you talk to each one of them, I mean, obviously for them, paintball is is also a release. Um, but and then also, you know, Alex from uh, from from X Factor, and then yeah, for sure across the way. I mean, these are guys that are very successful in the real world. They've built and maintain uh, awesome businesses. I mean, you know, Randy, um, he's, you know, the vice president of logistics for UPS, uh, you know, so he understands management, <laughs> he understands dealing with people and he understands, you know, all of that, all of those sorts of concepts. Uh, and, and so I, I, I just, I, and because I've always been saying this is that, you know, if you're a parent out there and you're wondering, should you let your kid play paintball? You might on the surface be like, oh, it's, it's gonna cost a bunch of money. And, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm kind of unleashing my child on, on, with a bunch of these crazy dudes to go play a tournament and, and yeah, that is true. It may cost some money and you are going to be, you know, unleashing your child to the world, but hopefully you've equipped them with, you know, a good head on their shoulders because they're going to have to be in the real world. Eventually, they're going to have to learn to deal with people in pressure situations. They're going to have to be accountable for their actions. Like these are just the way it is. And uh, so I, I just always think that, you know, being a part of a competitive paintball team of playing the game is a really good thing for people to do. Yeah, dude, it's it's the best thing you do, and it kept me out of trouble as a kid. And you know, some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life are paintball players. And it almost seems like the higher up the ranks you go, the better people you get. Like I don't know, that sounds crazy, but you know, all the pros these days, Marcelo, Mouse, Colt Roberts, Scott Kemp, all these dudes, Dave Baines, these are some of the best dudes I've ever met. Nick Laval, I went up to New York a couple months ago, and you know, me and my girlfriend had dinner with him and his girlfriend. We ended up sitting there for hours just talking about. Nothing that had to do with paintball, but just like just general friendships that you gain through this sport. And then you look back on it and it's like, man, that's awesome. That's what you really remember. You know, my, my two of my investors from my business are paintball players. If I'd have never played paintball, I'd have never met that and had these opportunities and all these friendships. So, man, that's what I'm gonna look back on and be like, yep, that's the stuff. So, how, how did you get your start? You know, where did you begin? In paintball? Yeah. So, I actually am a product of the Badlands. Okay. I grew up uh, south side of Chicago, you know, out in the suburbs out there and grew up grinding against the old Aftershock teams. And Mikey Bruno used to bunker tap me at the old Chicagoland paintball when there were wooden barricades. You know, you had to go up and pound the other side because you couldn't actually bunker people. Um, and that, that's kind of where I grew up in playing against all those old, like Danny Tiljack, old avalanche dudes that no one probably remembers that's listening to this podcast anymore. Um, but these dudes were dirty and they used to, I just go out and get beat down, you know, just every weekend. And I had a little D3 team and we just get beat down and, uh, you know, work our way up and played against Voltage and all those guys. But yeah, product of the Badlands where, you know, people, people know the story of, Mid, of Midwest paintball. Well, yeah, and, and for the people that don't, I mean, the bad, the Badlands, just like you were saying with Chicago Aftershock, I mean, that, you know, back in the day, there was three of the, the, the three dominant paintball teams were, you know, strangely enough, it was the Philly Americans from the East Coast, Chicago Aftershock from the Midwest, and the Los Angeles Ironmen. Well, they weren't the Los Angeles Ironmen at the time, they were just the Ironmen, and they were mostly from uh, NorCal, from Northern California. So those were the three best teams in the world. 
through most of the 90s. And then Avalanche came around, um, and then more teams started kind of like populating that top level. And then obviously there were other teams that were in the mix throughout the time. But the Badlands was, you know, that was a particularly brutal place to grow up playing paintball. (laughs) Uh, so that, you know, you couldn't have had a, a better place to incubate as, as a paintball player, um, than the Badlands. But then, and then you ended up, cause when I met you, uh, you were playing for, uh, for Tennessee. Yeah. So I moved to Tennessee, uh, for undergrad. I went to the university of Tennessee and, uh, I actually, I had the choice to go to Marquette in Milwaukee for engineering or Tennessee. I went to Marquette. It was negative 10 people walking to class with ski goggles on. I went to Tennessee the next weekend. It was 75 and sunny, and girls are walking around in skirts. And I was like, yeah, this will do. So <laughs> No brainer. Yeah. I ended up going there, and uh, I actually played club hockey as well growing up. And I played travel up in Chicago. Um, that's how me and I connected with Bart because he used to play for the pro uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks farm team. Um, so I grew up playing a little bit in Canada and whatnot and played club hockey in Tennessee and played for a couple of national championships there. But I was just looking for more ways to get stay competitive, and paintball was always fun in the when I played D three in Chicago and whatnot. And luckily, caught on with CEP, and the the old owner of CEP, Craig Williams, was like a second dad to me, and luckily used to used to help me out with my finances, paintball wise and whatnot. So I would go at Tennessee. I'd go. I'd drink all Friday night with the hockey team. Weird. I, I'd stay up all night Strange. and I drive to practice at seven a.m. Practice all day and just be dead that night and go back to UT and do it all over again. And then, so how was that college experience? I mean, because the college, you know, like the NCPA championships is one of my favorite gigs I get to do every year just because of the vibe of the college kids, man. You know, there's just, it's, it's hyper competitive and there's like rivalries there, but it's not as kind of like spitefully an- an antagonistic as it is, say, at like a PSP event, you know, because it's, and, you know, I mean, obviously everyone is kind of in the club if you're, if you're playing tournament paintball, but, but at those college events, it seems like there's just a pretty, at least from my outside perspective, actually not being in, you know, just being the guy that's hosting the show, but, uh, but everyone just seems really cool, man, you know, I mean, so how was that experience? And I mean, how can people get involved? Like, how did you get involved with college paintball? Yeah, so I actually started the UT uh, organization. So like when Tennessee started their, you know, their run or whatever. So I I started when I was a freshman with the son of the original cross-eyed owner, so CEP owner. Um, So me and Ty Williams were like, hey, let's get together and let's form a paintball club. Why not, right? I'm from Chicago. You're from Chattanooga. Both Both of us are at UT and Knoxville, not knowing so many people. So we started the club, went through the sports club organization and formed it and just Players started coming out of the woodworks and still players on CEP this day. Daniel Keen, our snake player, was one of the first dudes I ever recruited to play. He used to have like a black magic autococker and a, a beanie with flames on it. And I was like, <laughs> who is this goober out here? And, uh, you know, so we started the club and just started going to the nationals and the tournaments. And we'd play paintball during the day and we'd drink at night. And uh, it was really fun, man. College paintball is some of the most fun you can ever have. It's incredible rail has done a great job with that league and you know i have nothing but good things to say about the ncpa so give me a little step by step there so you went to the like what organization at school did you have to like go and apply because i'm sure i'm assuming there's some hurdles that you have to you know some hoops you got to jump through yeah so you know the first thing is making sure that the for us the markers were allowed on campus which you know at the first year we did it we had to keep them in our dorm closets and bags or whatever um and then you just got to get on the good side of the – at UT, it was a sports club organizations, and they're the ones that kind of oversaw, like, 
paintball and ultimate frisbee and all those you know all those sports and so we had to get on their good side and go through a probation period where everything was cool and go through tournaments and you know just make sure we were legit and then we ended up getting funding from the school and you know when I left I left the year before they won the national championship I coached them the year they won the national championship yeah I remember um, that. But, uh, you know, it was just building up that thing like like building, you know, it's kind of almost like building my first business. You kind of had to build up and gain reputation and, and, you know, be a good be a good club and be in good stand with the school. And, you know, it all paid off for them. I uh, I didn't get to experience the win. Best I ever did was third at nationals, but still so much fun. Yeah, but you built something that was successful. So, I mean, think about the awesome experience that a lot of those guys got to have that year you coached when they won that may or may not have been, I mean, who knows if somebody else would have come along and done it, but you know, you really can't look at it that way. Cause you were the one that kind of, you know, went to bat and, and, and made it happen. So, you know, by default, you know, that's, you know, that it's just interesting how that works because you never really know how you're going to inspire people in the world or what's going to happen because of your actions. But, you know, because of you thinking like, yeah, you know, getting beat up at the badlands by all the crazy aftershock guys and then, you know, deciding to go where it was nice and the girls were pretty and then still <laughs> and then still wanting to play the game and uh, and then kind of just taking it upon yourself to make that happen. That ended up, you know, now kids, there's some guys out there walking around saying, there, yeah, we won the, you know, NCPA championship that year and we had a damn good time doing it. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, the, the club there is actually doing really well. They're doing much better than, you know, they were when, when we were there. And um, the guys that won that national championship, you know, I think four or five were on the CEP divisional teams. But uh, those are still guys I talk to today. A lot of them live in Nashville. If you, you know, if you go to University of Tennessee, you move to Nashville afterwards. It's kind of just what you do. And so I still talk to a lot of those dudes today. And, you know, so same lifelong friendship made from a crazy little sport in the NCPA. Yeah, that's awesome. So how do they, how are they looking this year? Because, uh, you know, I'm headed to go do that in like a month and a half. So I'm wondering who's good this year. Are they any good this year? You know, I haven't caught up with them too much. The guys that I was really with, you know, I'm four years removed from school now. So even the freshmen when I was there are uh, graduated, which makes me feel super old. And, you know, I, uh, I don't know too much about them this year. But, you know, I wish them the best of luck. And any free time I have when I see those dudes out of the field, I make sure I go up to them and say, hey, you know, what's going on? How are you guys doing? So talk to me a little bit about the team this year. Uh, how do you feel, you know, p- position-wise? Because, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, they have this guy on the team, they have this guy on the team and that guy. But, it, but a lot of it breaks down to positions. You know, it's like, who is your first attacker on the D side? Who is going to be playing the snake? How are your twos and threes looking? You know, your mid, and, your, your mid players and your back players. So kind of break down the position starting the snake for me uh, and how CEP looks this year heading into to 2014. Because you guys are in the challengers division again. And I'm assuming you have, you know, grander plans to stay in the challengers division all year long. So, but what are you guys going to try to do to to actually make that a reality? Yeah, I, I like all the challengers teams and whatnot, but uh, I want to. I'm, I'm out of there, man. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and this year we're starting off different. Every year we started off, we've had seven or eight guys. You know, that's always kind of been our way. Kind of the same with Upton. You know, we we really run thin rosters, but this year we're coming in 11 guys. We're really trying to build a foundation and, and you know create a create a real team, but. Starting at the number one spot over on the snake side, uh, Osvaldo, Brito, Nito, Lopez, Ooh, everyone knows Papa. Yep, still got him. And, That's uh, good. Papa's still got it, man, and he loves CEP, and we love him. We actually made a joke last year one night about going back to the Ironmen, and he, he got seriously offended. I mean, he was just straight up like, no, I never leave you guys. Um, you know, so Papa's kind of our, our, our Brazilian buddy, and, you know, we, we, we love him. So we got him in the one spot. Coming in behind him, we got Daniel Keene, who is the only member still on CEP from our first pro year. Me and him are holding it down. 
Um, so he's in the two spot behind Papa. Their sub over there is going to be James Butts, who has come out of the trauma gridlock camp. Uh, one of the most positive people you'll ever meet in your entire life. Kind of weirdly positive, but you know we all love. We call him Pastor Butts. I, uh, I like the weirdly positive people, though, you know, because they counteract the weirdly negative people in the world, and I do believe that that is the way the universe works. Yep. So anytime I meet one of those weirdly positive people, even though sometimes they will creep me out with their intense positivity, uh, I consider myself a pretty positive person, but um, but I just look at those people, and I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm glad somebody's around that has that outlook on life, you know? Yeah, like, he, you've got to smile. Just talking to him, you smile, because you could be in the worst situation. He <laughs> just comes through with a clutch comment that kind of turns it all around so yeah we got he, he's a sub over there he's one of our younger guys but you know really gaining some gaining some steam on the pro circuit and uh back center will be myself uh backed up by Bo Shaw and Charlie Smith a couple local Tennessee boys um everyone knows my story as the four spot which is the back Dorito guy we have uh, Colin Cherry out of Memphis who uh we call baby Shrek but uh he's a, a fast little gunner and he's the kind of guy that likes to run up the middle and break the game open and then uh on the first spot over there, which we call the number five, we'll got Mike Zupa and Peter Velarde. Zupa was kind of the the brainchild of CEP, and you know he's what we call baby genius. He uh, he's he's our impact player, and Pete is lightning fast and made the switch from Snake to Doritos because he dislocated his shoulder a couple times last year, and unfortunately can't can't do it over there. And then they're going to be backed up by uh, Tim Danchek, which is uh, our most recent pickup out of North Carolina. I like that lineup, man. You know, I, I like Keen. Obviously, Oswaldo is, uh, you know, on his good days, it just dominates out there. I can't remember what tournament it was. I think it was the first day of World Cup last year that he was the best snake player out of any team statistically in the league. Uh, it was actually really impressive. And also, Oswaldo's like 475 years old, and he looks like he's 21. <laughs> so it's just kind of impressive that he's, you know, still able to just cannonball to the snake and dive head first in every single time. Um, so I think that you guys have weapons on that side. And then, uh, you know, Velarde and, uh, and Zupa, I, I feel, also can hang too. I think the big, biggest problem I've seen with you guys, and now that you've killed the, pen the penalty monster, because um, you guys don't seem like you're getting penalties at like a two penalties per point clip like you were a little while ago um it's just consistency you know it's like trying to get all those you know all that talent to play, and which is which is such a often heard story for all paintball teams man uh it's so hard to be consistent i mean that was x factor's problem uh and also with penalties for x factor but you know look at look at cup x factor came in into 2013 didn't have the best season had to play in rele relegation games they were able to stay in the champs league the entire time and uh and stack with talent and then sure enough man they get to world cup and all the pieces fall together everyone starts playing on the same page and all across the board you know that the guys that they needed to play well played well and they ended up you know walking away with their first world cup victory ever so that's what's possible you know i mean it is you know, it, it's possible for you guys if you all get on the same page that you could, you know, get out of the, the slump of the, the Challengers League where you were last season. Yeah, I think, you know, cohesion's huge, man. You know, a, a good team that, that works together and fights together can beat the best of teams. And, dude, I love the X Factor story. I think that's what paintball needed. And who would have thought the team that lost the CEP in Dallas would come back and win World Cup? And, uh, you know, I'm pretty close with Colt on that team, and uh, you know I know Grayson and Skemp and those dudes, and those they're just awesome guys, and I couldn't be more happy for them. I texted all of them right away, like I was watching the stands. I was like, dude, so that's just so awesome because it's they're you know they were kind of that mid-level team all season that couldn't quite get over that hump. So to see them do that, dude, love that. Well, it's just a great it's a great inspiration. 
because it, it really kind of paints that that possibility picture that if you can, you know, it's like get all of those, you know, because I mean, when you look at their roster, I mean, obviously they have amazing talent, but but that was to finally see all those guys play up to damn near right at their potential the entire most of the event and uh, and win those big games and the, and also that that come from behind victory they had in the finals against Impact and yeah Impact got some penalties uh, but still you know and they persevered the whole time too I mean they had some close games and they were on the rocks a little bit but it's you know a tournament is very much like a boxing match dude and just because you get knocked down doesn't mean you can't get back up and start smashing that guy in the face and you may be on the ropes and you know so there are a lot of parallels there and that was exactly what happened to X Factor and uh, and now they're heading into into this season you know the reigning world champs and definitely one of the teams to beat because we've seen what's possible out of that team and also I was just really proud of uh, you know Alex the Alex Martinez their, their owner because it has been literally years since they had a PSP win and uh, and and him just you know really kind of seeing the potential in these in these guys that he raised from kids to men and uh, and really has been a positive factor in their lives um, you know to, to have that redemption and to you know prove to the world that hey you know, we, I knew that this was going to happen. I just took some time to prove it. And that's a really cool story. And, but that, that is what's possible. You know I mean? You, you, you know, it's kind of tough, especially this year, if you're looking at, you know, all these, these big teams throwing money at it and, and Hey, I think that's a good thing for paintball as a whole, because that gives a living to some of these guys that have been grinding for years, trying to earn their stripes in, in the pro paintball world. And, uh, and, you know, these, these guys that are obviously real successful in the real world think that the, you know, paintball's, you know, a cool enough thing that they're starting to throw some resources into it. And, um, you know, we'll see where that goes in the future. And, but you're looking at that, it's like, well, shit, how do I, you know, how do, how do we contend with that? But, you know, it's possible. You just have to, you know, find it within yourself. Cause with paintball is, it's not, it's not size. I mean, yeah, speed being little and small helps, but I was just having a conversation with a buddy of mine who used to play pro baseball and he was watching the roster, you know, kind of checking out the X factor story. And, uh, and he was kind of amazed about how cool it is that, you know, that it's not really about size and strength. It's, uh, I mean, yes, like I said, being small and fast really helps. But, you know, you look at guys like Mike Paxson and Dave Baines and, you know, like A-Rod from the Ironman. I mean, he's not a small kid, man, you know, but he's still able to compete out there at the highest level because his, his brain functions on that level. So it's really just what lives in your heart, like how hard are you willing to work for it and, and how much effort and how diligent can you be in the application of your efforts to try to get that thing that you want? And then how quick can your brain start assimilating all these variables and then you exerting your will in those situations? So, you know, it is totally possible. And, you know, looking at the, the guys that you have, I just hope that you have the confidence in yourselves now because, you know, that th those, especially like your top five guys, I mean, they've played enough now that they should be, I'm hoping, walking out really confident that if they, you know, get a good look out there that they could beat anybody, you know? Yeah, I think that's what it is too. And, and you know, that, that, that just falls back on us and we got to make sure that happens because, you know, there's no doubt that we can do that. I mean, we, we've done it. We, we, you know, we beat X Factor in Dallas 7-1 and a lot of people say that was a fluke, but man, our guns were hot. They couldn't make it anywhere off the break against us and that's how we need to play. And if we play like that, we can play against anyone. That's why paintball is great because it's still such a young sport that there isn't that, you know, there isn't that organization to like a professional sport like the MLB or the NFL. Any team can still come in and disrupt stuff. You know, it's just who's going to actually do it. Yeah, well, who? Are, I mean, looking at all of the the roster changes, I mean, who are you kind of looking that that could be really good this year? I mean, do you have any picks? I mean, obviously, other than CP, other than CP, who uh, you know, who who are you looking at to be in the mix this year? 
Man, you know, it's it's tough to say. It's hard to think that Art Chaos isn't going to come out and just be ridiculous. I mean, I'm 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 kind of hoping we don't get matched up with them in the prelims of uh, of Dallas. But at the same time, you know, you gotta you gotta beat them to be the best, right? But they're, I mean, you can't contend with that roster. That's that's legit there. Um, Impact's always solid. I love Dane Baines. I think he's a freak in nature. So I'm looking for them to do well. Damage is always solid. Joey runs a good camp down there, and uh, you know the same guys. I'm you know to be honest, I'm hoping our brothers from the Ironmen really pick it up. They've had of all the teams, I think the Ironmen have had one of the most tumultuous off seasons, and uh, you know I think they deserve it to to play well. I love all those dudes, and A Rod was one of the first guys to. Uh, to donate to our crowdfunding campaign like you know as a kid everyone knows a rod you know probably isn't the one that should be donating to someone else's crowdfunding campaign for him <laughs> you, you, you know what i'm saying like love a rod that's just not him for him to come on and do that and you know timmy montressor did it and ryan brand did it and there's a list of pro players that did that and those guys are the guys that just earned my respect even more and they, they did before because their, their character showed so but just to come on there and do that and you know it's 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 just it's awesome man the sport's so cool but as far as the hard hitters it's going to be the top teams again i'm interested to see what see what what heat does with their new roster and uh you know i'm, I'm I'm a die guy, so I'm rooting for the men. Yeah, the Ironmen do have a really interesting story this year. That's what's fascinating to me about the game. I mean, yeah, paintball itself is interesting to watch, but to me what's really captivating, uh, you know, because, dude, I've watched so much paintball over the years, um, but to me it's about those individual struggles. And then also, you know, yes, those individual struggles then correlate to a team struggle and how are those guys all going to get it together to try to prevail. And when you look at the Ironmen, there, you know, and I've I've actually been out and watching practices uh, to to see you know Dynasty and Heat and Ironman and and see how these guys are doing, uh, vicious. And uh, you know the Ironman, they they look pretty good, man. They have the the tough thing for them is going to be, you know, like you have eleven guys, so you know on CEP, so. You know, I mean, you can even take 12 to an event, um, but only five play at a time. And, and it's, it's always kind of tough to, to make sure that everyone's mental needs are being met, but also the team's needs on the field are being met. So you're keeping everyone around, keeping them hungry, but then you're also, the axe has always got to be sharp enough so that, you know, everyone's, comp- you know, hyper-competitive and you're getting the best of, out of everybody. So with the Ironman kind of, you know, they got 13 right now, so they got to cut 13 down to 12. They brought all those royalty guys over. So these are, you know, younger guys hungry to prove themselves. And then there's some younger guys on the Ironman too. And then they have, of course, you know, Marcelo and, and Mouse, Alex Goldman and Marcelo Margot. And, uh, I mean, God, dude, you couldn't have two better guys to build a, a starting five around. Um, and then they got Shane Pistana, who's never – no program he's ever touched has not done well. And anytime he's got his hands on the Ironman, they've won a championship given a little bit of time. So, you know, he's got about as good of a track record as you possibly can get. And it, but, the, but to me, the most interesting part of that is who out of that maelstrom of – of uh, of chaos in, in in those practices, you know who is going to emerge out of those younger players. You know, is it going to be Daniel Barr? Is it going to be Toke Hamill? Is it going to be Brandon Cornell? Brandon Cornell, who's only 17, is looking really good early on in practice. You know, so can he take how well he's been playing in practice and this awesome paintball mind he's starting to cultivate? Can he take that to the actual tournament performance? Because that is a totally different side of the coin. You know, as we all know. You, some, you got those practice superstars, the guys that seem to play really well in practice, and then as soon as, you know, the real stuff starts going down, uh, they start to have mental issues. So, you know, and he's young. So I, I don't know if, 
if he's going to be able to prevail in those pressure situations. Um, but he knows that. I mean, he's aware of that. I talked to him about that. And he's, he's just like, man, you know, I'm just going to go out there and, you know, saying, he's saying all the right things and he's looking really good. So if, if that kid really steps up, which is interesting, because then when you talk to Mouse and Marcelo, you know, they were that they were that kid, you know, they were that, you know, teenage kid who was were phenoms coming up and were really hungry and were able to play the snake really well and, and play up front really well. And and now they're longtime veterans with championships under their belts and widely recognized as the best players. So the, those are the guys cultivating these young players coming up. So I think the Ironmen have a really awesome story, and I think they definitely have a legit chance to compete this year. Uh, but, you know, it's, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. They have been grinding, and that's another thing, too, in the beginning of the year. It's always tough because it's like how much practice time can some of these East Coast teams and, and Midwest teams get in when it's, you know, eight polar vortexes have come whizzing down from the North Pole over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to get really solid practice in when there's five foot of snow on the ground and it's 10 degrees outside. Yeah, I mean, that, we've had crazy weather down here, the snowpocalypse that happened in Atlanta, which was, you know, that's four hours south of me, and it was just, it's wild. But, yeah, I mean, they, they get that little advantage, but it still only takes one ball. Shane's, a, Shane's ridiculous, man. I have so much respect for Shane Pistana, like what he's doing with those teams. But as long as he can handle the weirdness, man. You've ne- I've never seen a paintball team with a bunch more weird guys on it than the Iron Men. <laughs> <laughs> and I could say that because all my friends, but anyone that spent an hour with Eric Humphreys knows that you know there's some weird dudes over there so but we love them you know there's a there's a great family bond there between all the diet teams and uh yeah i think i think the men got a good chance this year yeah i think they do too it was it was cool to see you know i was out at heat practice and one of the things i noticed about the heat practice was just how positive they were keeping everything and it was obviously they were being critical of it. and this is like there was no coach out there randy wasn't out there it was just the guys grinding that were out uh you know trying to get away from the snow and get some get some uh, time behind the gun and uh, and they were just you know really positive with each other and and uh, Thomas Taylor was playing really gr- really good for them in practice, um, but they have a lot of weapons too and I think it's also an interesting dynamic because you have that you know the Philly Americans that was that one of those three legendary teams we were talking about early on um, at, towards the end of their their era uh, that team was led by Tim Montressor and and he had Ryan Moorhead on the team and they were coached by Jason Trojan and they had Chad George on the team and they had Sam Monville and guess what now those guys are all reunited under the heat banner with a ton more experience that they've had on different teams in the, in the past four or five years. Um, so I, I think that that's going to help them because they already have that bond with those core group of guys. And then, you know, the talent they picked up is, is, is pretty awesome. I mean, Greg Sewers is, you know, on his good days. I mean, he did, I, I felt Greg kind of had a, an off game in the world cup final. Um, if you go back and watch that, that tape again, but that being said, you know, I mean, Greg is a, Greg's a, a force of nature out there, man. When he's on, he's, he's one of the best. And uh, they just they have a lot of weapons. So I think he could definitely be a contender this year. Um, I don't think it's – well, we'll see. But I, because they have the chemistry already looks like going on, I don't know if it's going to take them as long as other people think in order for them to kind of get the wheels rolling. Now, how well they can do once they get the wheels rolling, that's, that, you know, that's, that remains to be seen. But, you know, and then like you said, I mean, Art Chaos – I mean, dude, we, you just had the reuniting of like the best Russian players ever all under the same, you know, force again. And, and they got, you know, they got Bernikov who won the 2012 Top Gun. And then you got, you know, obviously the, you know, the, the insanity that is Konstantin Fedorov and Sergei has really become such an amazing back player and, a, and an insert guy. And then Mishka too, you know, who was, you know, the, the first of, of all of the Russian superstars to come out of Moscow. So you know, and that, te- that team is going to be tough to deal with. So it's going to be interesting. 
Um, so if we if we talk in pro politics, have you noticed that uh, Ryan Smith is actually rostered for Houston VCK? Yes. I What's did. up with that? Well, are we allowed to talk about this? Sure, we could totally talk about this. Let's I, turn it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know Ryan really well, um, but he's I think, a cool guy. Yeah, I like Ryan a lot. I I, I mean, I, I I know him a little bit. Um, I have had the chance to like we did a podcast when he was there and I've talked to him a little bit. And obviously, you know, his dad owns the team, um, but the way that Heat had ran last year and uh, was very much a starting five mentality, you know, and you had those three Russian guys, you had Sergei Fedorov and Mishka, and they played the majority of the points. Um, and so it was it was kind of tough for other guys to get to get spins in. So even guy like Nick Sloviak, who and when he got out there was doing really well. He, you know, when you look at his numbers for how many points that he played. Um, he had some. He turned in some really good performances coming off the bench. So that's that does that's a help that or that's a that's a big pro for Houston Heat is that they have, uh, you know, all these good guys coming off the bench. But it's always mentally tough to be in that situation. And I think that at least from what I could tell and from what I've heard, that I think Ryan, you know, still loves playing the game. But he was just basically tired of riding the bench and felt he should get more playing time and was like, you know what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go play for VCK. You know, <laughs> that's that that makes me. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, good props to him for wanting to play. Because that's what it's all about, you know. You want to you want to be out there with your gun. Doesn't really matter if you win if you if you're not part of it. So I think that's a very interesting dynamic, given the situation there. But uh, you know, good for Ryan if he wants to go out and and battle it up. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see him on the other side of the field in uh, Dallas. I hope I do. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, the schedule should be out here pretty soon, so we'll see. You know, and then and then with Randy, you know, the owner Sarge, the owner of Houston Heat, man, he's just. He is like one of those, he's just, you know, and I say this, these are my, my, my term for these people is that they're paintball patrons. They're guys that really don't need to be doing what they're doing. I mean, obviously, you know, that with the resources they have, they could probably be doing anything else that they wanted to be doing with their time, but they, they see the positive impact that uh, them having a paintball program gives to both the, both, you know, they, they're kind of like, they're getting that, they're basking in the reflected glory of what these guys are that they're, you know, given the ability to go play the game. They see the, the cool times they get to have. They see the positive impact of, of getting these guys together. And then, you know, and they're just fans. They're fans of the game. Alex Martinez from X Factor loves paintball. You know, Ryan, uh, Ryan's dad, Sarge, loves paintball. Bart loves paintball. And it was kind of one of those things when, you know, when Ryan wasn't getting a ton of playing time and, you, and he looked like he was, you know, and then he did leave the team and then uh, they lost the Russians. And it was, and I talked to Sarge about this. And, you know, Sarge was like, he was no bullshit with me, man. He looked at me, he looked me in the eye and he's like, Maddie, let me ask you this. He's like, when life tests you, what do you do? Do you give up or do you double down? And, I, and, and if you see something and you want to make it happen, you see a certain way, you know, how do you react in that situation? You know, and he's like, I looked at it like, all right, well, I'm going to prove to the world that, you know, Houston Heat's here to stay. And so he went out and, and got the, you know, the players that he needed to get that he could get at the time in order to, to keep his team trying to be as dominant as they've been in the past. And, uh, and so I think that, you know, as much Ryan loves playing the game, I think that Randy also loves being that paintball patron. You know, he loves having a winning paintball team. He likes, you know, being a part of these, uh, being a big positive element in these guys' lives. And, uh, and I think that's across the board. You know, I think that almost everyone I, I know, uh, pretty much everybody I know that's in that position, I think they, they, they are completely 100% aware of the positive effect they have by doing what they're doing. And they have the means to do it. And so, you know, thank God that they understand that that's, that they are this positive force in the world for those guys and also for all their fans out there that of these programs that they've built. 
you know, and paintball very much is that. Paintball has been that way since the beginning. You know, I mean, it's real. You know, the the dynasties and and uh, and and you know. Uh, and it's not even necessarily one guy, maybe a group of dudes, you know, a group of guys that have the means to do this game, play it at a certain level, and the, the positive impact and the positive reinforcement they get into their lives from doing this is just so much, it's worth so much more to them than the amount of money that they are spending to play the game. Because, yeah, money is important, obviously. Money is the lifeblood of existence. If you don't have money, you know, it, uh, things are going to be really rough for you. But at the end of the day... You know, it's like, I remember talk, telling Bart this one time, Bart Yakmak, owner of Impact, I was like, you know, man, thank you very much for what you've done for your boys and for all the other guys that have played for your team and for paintball itself. Because if we didn't have guys like you, there wouldn't be a sport at this level. And, uh, and it's really cool to see this because, you know, and, it, and I, we didn't exactly talk about this, but it's like, dude, the last thing that you're going to be thinking when you're going to your grave is, oh, man, I really wish I put more money in my 401k. You know, it's like you can't take that shit to the next, you know, to into the abyss. And so, you know, and also if it's true that your life flashes before your eyes before you die, then the last story you're ever going to hear or see is your own story. So you better make it a good one. And that's what paintball does for you is that you travel around, you meet all these charismatic people, you're tested, you, you fail, you succeed, you learn. Um, you know, you just get to, you know, your, your life is so much more rich being involved in those situations with all these people, like you said. You know, there's just, there's a lot of good people out there. So, you know, I think that that's kind of some of the important elements kind of in the mix with that. Yeah, dude. I couldn't agree more. You're a, you're a magician with the words. <laughs> well, so I would say, I'm just glad my dad used to smack me on the back of the head when I was young and be like, enunciate your words, boy. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, okay, I'll, I'll enunciate my words. Yeah, or use, use the words. You have the words, just use them. Um, but you know, it's important, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people think about, but until you actually start kind of, you know, putting it down and kind of really trying to put some, some concepts out there, it's, it's, it's easier for people to kind of wrap their heads around because I think all that shit is true. You know, I, I think that, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been involved with this sport for so long if I didn't think that, you know, cause paintball is kind of one of those double-edged things The the opponents of paintball, I mean, dude, paintball is illegal in a lot of places of the world. You know I mean? There's, there's people in the world actively working on trying to keep human beings from playing paintball, which to me is so ridiculous. You know, I mean, the fact that it's, it's kind of, it's one of those things that's, you know, and anyone that's trained in any sort of, you know, martial discipline, whether it be, you know, karate or MMA, mixed martial arts, jujitsu, boxing, um, even hockey or football. I mean, it's one of those things that it purges the demon. It purges that like aggressive force that you can't control. Sometimes it purges that thing from your soul. And I think it's a really big positive, you know, thing in the world. And, uh, and, and the more people that we have, that's why I always say at the end of every podcast, and we're, you know, kind of coming up on the end of this, so I'll just say it early, but hey, help us preach the paintball gospel. You know, I mean, bring somebody out to play or contribute to CEP's fund or, you know, uh, you know help support the sponsors of, of PBA and, uh, or your local paintball field or your local paintball store. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can be a positive factor moving things into the light. You know, I mean, it's like one of my favorite, I was reading this article with, uh, it was about um, fighter pay in the UFC. And uh, you had all these people complaining about this and that. And you had these other fighters kind of sticking up for the way things were. It's kind of a totally different subject. But the thing that kind of stepped out to me or that, that, I, that I saw was, you know, Dana White was talking about um, Tim Kennedy was, you know, bitching about how much he was making. And, and, uh, and he was basically saying, you know, like, 
you know, when Tim Kennedy was up there talking and he was losing or winning his really boring fight, uh, people were doing the wave in the stands, which tells me that, you know, no one cares about you, Tim Kennedy, because you're not moving the, you know, you're not, you're not moving the yardstick any further, you know, like who's moving the bar, you know, like, please somebody step up and help move the bar forward. And so, you know, that's why I am a big supporter of what you guys are doing is because, and I want everyone to know about the story behind CEP and how hard you guys fought to even, you know, be where you guys are now is because in your area of the world, like you said, dude, you, you got to drive eight hours north or six hours east or, you know, 12 hours south, but you kind of exist on this, you know, on this oasis of paintball. And it's the guys that are passionate about that are keeping alive in that area, like, you know, starting a league, you know, or starting a a college team. I mean, the, the, this is all possible, you know, with a little bit of know-how from, you know, if you seek out the knowledge that you're, you're, that you need in order to get to where you want to go, you know, that stuff is out there. There's people you can hit up on Facebook. There's stuff you can Google. There's articles that have been written. There's people you can talk to. There's t clinics that you can take. You know, there are people that can help you achieve your goals. Nothing exists in a vacuum. And the only way that paintball itself as a sport is going to continue its march forward and get, you know, bigger than it is and reach more people and be this, you know, I really truly believe be this positive factor in people's lives uh, is, the, is if people can move the bar forward, you know, so ask yourself, not you, but people out there in the internet land, ask yourself, you know I mean? It, and honestly, it's not, it's, and it's not, it's not for everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's not for everyone to try to move the bar forward. If you're just having a good time playing the game, maybe that's good enough for you, bro. You know what I'm saying? And that's totally fine. But even if it's in the, like, look what you're doing in the business world, Robbie, like that's badass and admirable. And having see you come up as this like really charismatic and ambitious, you know, college student. And now you're, you've done the things that, you know, by being ambitious and putting yourself in the right position to be successful and working your ass off, you know, that's how you move the bar forward, not only for the world, but for yourself, because you have to move the bar forward for yourself first before you can move the bar forward for the world, you know? Yep. You gotta, you know, you you gotta go out and break stuff, dude. That's 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 one of my that's one of my taglines lately. Is just what can you go out and disrupt, and how can you, you know, make this world a better place for everybody else? And if you can do your little bit, it's gonna be cool, man. And you know, some some people think maybe I've done it in paintball. You know, the D three kids I coach probably think so. You know, and but uh, I'm trying to do it in real life as well. So I think that's just a life motto. Just go out there and move the needle. Dana White, dude. Dana White, you want to learn from someone about business and stuff? Dana White is the man. Don't talk to me. Talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it would probably be a little bit easier to find you and talk to you than it will be to talk to Dana White. Yeah. Um, unless you want to start like a Twitter feud with him, you know, you probably dude. might be able to, to draw his ire that way. But, uh, you know, but yeah, man, it's just, I don't know. I mean, you know, life is, life is an amazing thing. There's so much possibility in the world. It can be very frustrating sometimes. You know, sometimes we just get so burdened in our minds with, you know, things we should have done differently or all of the different possibilities and roads that we can go down. But, um, but, but a lot of times you just, you know, you pick a path and walk it. And, and if it doesn't work out, there will be another path. I think, you know, a lot of times that's how people trip themselves up too. Um, just getting a little too down on themselves, you know, I mean, you, you'll know, you'll know if you, if you needed to work harder, but you can always get up the next day and change it, you know, be the hero of your own story, man, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I was having a rough day today, just business wise as an entrepreneur, you know, one minute could be great. One minute could be terrible. And I think I looked at my Facebook and Marcelo Margot posted, if the struggle isn't real, the success won't be either. Never give up. You know, for me, that was like, boom, that's all I need to see. And, you know, not just because he's a friend of mine, but also because sometimes that little thing kind of gives you that next boost in the next minute, you know, maybe I got a call that kind of turned the day around. So yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's just the positive outlook on life. So 
you know, anyone that ever wants to talk about that, that's kind of the stuff I dig talking about. I think that's why you and I get along. But uh, find me at the event. Love to chat. Yeah, and, and a lot of guys are like that, you know? I mean, I think that that's one of the cool things about pro paintball players is that, hey, man, they're just a regular-ass dude that just happened to be either good at paintball innately and, and then more than likely, uh, in addition to that, worked their ass off. So to be that, you know, it's not like they came out. The, it's like I was talking about. Dude, everyone out there, go on the Internet right now and you or and uh, and Google six harsh truths that will make you a better person and read that like it is it's so appropriate because it's it's very much about how like you know you are you're not defined about what you talk about you're defined by what you do you know and uh, and and it's it's just an important thing but like I was saying is that yeah that with the with the paintball guys is that yeah man go up and talk to somebody I mean if they're a dick they probably won't be but if they are then go find another pro paintballer player to talk to because they probably won't be a dick you know it's just it's just uh, there's a lot of different people out there that could give you a little bit of information if you just ask. You never, you never, you never know who's going to help you out until you ask. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, again, you got to knock on the door to see if it's going to open. Or I always say you got to kick on the door until it opens. But kick, kick on it, man. My, my boss is a you know that's my one word of advice for anybody out there in life, paintball, whatever. Just be a doer. Be someone that actually does something. Don't talk about it. Go out there and do it. My boss. You know, my boss made me work at my job on a 1099 and test performance for nine months here at a nonprofit for nine months to see if I had what it took because he knew, you know, like my boss sold his last company, dude, for $785 million, you know, so like he knows what it takes. Damn. Yeah, for real, (laughs) right? (laughs) So he made me earn it. And after nine months, you know, he sat me down and said, hey, you know, you are now here full time under my wing. And, you know, we're going to go. We're going to go places. We're going to do things. And, and it's all because, you know, I, I feel like I just went and said, okay, let's do this. I'm going to kick down this door. I'm going to break shit. I'm going to move the needle in Nashville and uh, in the business world here and hopefully in the business world in general. You know, and the plan is the same thing in paintball. It's just taking me a little bit longer. Nice. Well, hey, man, I, I commend you on the journey so far. Uh, I implore everybody out there to, you know, not only, you know, go to see. Uh, give us the rundown again of where people can go to help out. All right, cool. So the easiest way to go is to go to Indiegogo, I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com and just search Chattanooga CEP. And we, I promise you, we'll be the only paintball crowdfunder on there. And then from there, you can go on. We've currently raised over $7,800. So we're just almost at 50% of our goal. Um, and, you know, help the cause and we'll help you back. Nice. Um, yeah. And then, you know, go follow uh, Robbie on Facebook and, uh, and help us pre- help us preach the gospel, man. You know, it's uh, we are only as strong as our as, as our ability to unite the tribes and and move forward together. Uh, and that is a very very real thing. So you know, support the sponsors of PBA, support the webcast, and uh, and all the people that are moving the bar. You know, and then also you know, hey man, you could do this too. You could totally move the bar. Start your own team if you're at college and you love paintball. You can absolutely start your own team. Um, there, there are ways to get things done in the world, even without money. I mean, yes, you know, yes, you're going to need some money to do certain things, but you can create those opportunities for yourself with some vision and some hard work. But uh, hey, man, Robbie, thanks for thanks for your time. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys do at the first event and all year long. And uh, and thank you guys out there in internet land for uh, for listening in, man. This has been the Real Deal Podcast. With, I'm Maddie Marshall. I'll see you guys next time. And uh, thank you again, Robbie Goldsmith, for sitting in with us. Peace. Thank you.